Hey, folks, I'm WWE Hall of Famer Hacksaw Jim Duggan, and you're listening to another wrestling podcast, Tough Guy. Oh! It's time for uh, another wrestling podcast. Speak to me, Warrior! You know who I am, but you don't know why I'm here. Measuring stick just changed around here, buddy. You're looking at it. The best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. They think they got the answers. I change the question. The cream of the crop. Nobody does it better. These are the best in the world, brother. These are the best in what they do. When we talk about the legends of the sport, there's only two in my book. Another wrestling podcast. Another wrestling podcast. Now can you dig that sucker? (laughs) All right, all right, all right. Welcome to another wrestling podcast. This is episode 62. I'm Steve Credo. And I'm Jonathan Benjamin. Jonathan, uh, happy Independence Day weekend. Uh, happy Fourth of July. Uh, it's 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 America's birthday, Jonathan. Yes, indeed it is, and it's almost our birthday as well. Uh, we just started about a month prior to this, a year and a month prior to this. So we are celebrating a birthday, an Independence Day, just anything you can think of. It's such a great time on this show. And uh, it's a great time for us as well. We're doing some big things. That's right, Jonathan. We're on our journey to year number two. Uh, year one, what a success, Jonathan. What a success. We had We had a lot of fun. We talked about talked to just about everyone you could think of in the pro, in the pro wrestling universe. Uh, a lot of a lot of great ups, Jonathan. No, no not really any downs. I think we're, we're pretty much rocking and rolling. We know what we're doing. Uh, and thank you everybody so much for listening to us, Jonathan. Uh, people tuning in for the first time ever, for the first time ever, what could they expect from us? Well, you know, we try to set ourselves apart. We say that we're another wrestling podcast, and that's exactly what we are. We try to be different in most every way. A lot of these podcasts out there, they're going to tell you about what happened on the shows that you watched uh, a few days prior to listening to the podcast. We are not that podcast. If that is what you're looking for in a podcast, then we can suggest some other podcasts for you. But we are another wrestling podcast, and what we do is we talk all things professional wrestling. So if you want to know what our thoughts were on the 1992 Royal Rumble, you've come to the right place. If you want to know what our favorite gimmicks of all time or our least favorite gimmicks are, you've come to the right show. Today, for example... We're going to be talking solely about masks in professional wrestling. So once again, this is a fans podcast, and we will be talking about the things that you, the fans, want to talk about. That's right. And speaking of masks, Jonathan, joining us today is none other than the Patriot, Del Wilkes. Uh, what better guest to have on on 4th of July weekend than the Patriot? That's right, Steve. The Patriot He's got a lot going on. Hopefully he can talk to us about some of these big projects that are in the works for him. But prior to us getting into this interview, I just have to give a shout out to the New England Fan Fest. Uh, We were just there, New England Fan Fest 5 up in Providence, Rhode Island. Everybody was just treating everyone so nice. Uh, Big shout out to Joseph Bruin and all the vendors and guests that were there. 
you know, we had a huge, huge show that we, uh, you know, we talked to almost everybody that was there. We got some surprises. If you didn't listen to that show, some of the interviews from that show will be put up on YouTube shortly. That's right, Jonathan. And guys, gals, everybody listening, head on over to YouTube.com slash Another Wrestling Pod. Subscribe to us as you may hear some interviews on this show, but we're also going to have a lot of exclusive interviews on our YouTube page. So it's that's the other big part of us uh, is our YouTube universe. So please head on over there and subscribe. If you don't know, remember the link. If you don't know what I just said, head on over to anotherwrestlingpodcast.com. All of our links are on there for everything where we're broadcasting from and being played from for your ears to hear and eyes to see, guys. So, Jonathan, like you said, New England Fan Fest 5, what a weekend. Uh, that, you know, pretty much ended our year one, and we've begun a year two. So, uh, speaking of year two, Jonathan, we have had a lot of things happen to us in our first year, including our own AWP hotline. It's, if, if you want to call and leave us a question, leave us a comment, uh, ask us anything, guys. That's what it's here for. Please do call 802-AWP-7672. That's 802-297-7672. And right now we have a call from the soap, the son of a plumber, Josh Hill. Hey, guys. Josh Hill, son of a plumber here. R.I.P. Dusty Rhodes, the original, the true son of a plumber. These truly are hard times. Just want to say, great job on the Jim Ross episode. Uh, by God, I think you guys really got in the open up and uh, tell some great stories there. Uh, you were asking about greatest announcers of all time. Uh, I will always say, Gorilla Monsoon, top of the list for me. No one even comes close, not even good old JR himself. Uh, Gorilla, definitely the voice of my childhood. Uh, what I like about Gorilla was that he felt authentic. Obviously, he had that wrestling background, but I liked that he sounded like he was just right off the streets in New York. Like, he'd be a guy that you'd be walking down the streets, and you'd run into him at the hot dog cart or something, you know, and he'd, and he'd be sharing his opinions with you. And But he, he was intelligent, and he knew what he was talking about, and I just... I love that authenticity of Gorilla Monsoon. Um, you know, if we're going to talk about teams. I would say Gorilla and Jesse the Body. I thought those guys together were great, and they called WrestleMania uh, basically almost every year in, in that in that '80s heyday, and it was just classic stuff. If we're looking towards the future, I got to go with you guys. I think Renee Young would be excellent on Play by Play. And if you can, uh, if you can start cultivating the future, I think a great future Raw commentary team would be Renee Young and Corey Graves. That's who I'd go with. I think they've got an interesting dynamic. We've already seen them on screen together, some, you know, for some of the, the pre-shows and stuff. And um, I, I just, I, I think that's the future right there. I think that'd be a great Raw announced team. Thanks, guys. Once again, we'd like to thank. Mr. Josh Hill for calling in. Uh, and it's that simple, folks. You call in, you let us know some thoughts about the show, someone you'd like to hear from, uh, a question for us, whatever you may decide to ask, and we'll answer it right here live on the air. So, Mr. Hill, thanks for calling again. And, Steve, right now, um, we, we mentioned it earlier, we're going to talk masks today, and I'm going to get right into it. So, 
I'm going to ask you to rack that brain of yours and you tell me maybe your top three favorite masked wrestlers of all time. All right. Uh, so when you think masked wrestlers, you think a lot about luchadors and whatnot, but not for me, Jonathan. Uh, growing up in the 80s and the 90s, you know, I was a child of the WWF, the WWE, uh, and I necessar- didn't necessarily like or have any fan favorites in the luchador realm. Uh, But what I did like were some other kinds of masks, which included Mankind. Uh, One of the most unique masks in pro wrestling. Um, It it was just bizarre. You know what I mean? It it was like, what is this thing on his face? Is it, is it, you know, like, supporting something on his face is it helping him so he doesn't like you know like somebody breaks a nose they have like those special masks is it something like that for him i don't know it was freaky looking it was crazy it looked like it was straight out of a horror movie uh mankind is definitely up there as uh, a number one for me uh number two it has to go to the, to the original the original uh cane mask um you know talk about even more creepier. I loved his masks. I loved his the progression of his masks. I didn't really like the wigs attached to it nowadays, but I definitely loved Kane's masks. Uh, you know, he definitely has the face for a mask, you know, so keeping his mug uh, behind the mask sure did help him in the long run. I mean, he was a huge beast. Uh, I love the mask, and uh, yeah, he's definitely number two for me. And if I had to go with number three, Jonathan, I would definitely pick the classic Vader mask. Uh, not too much... Uh, to be left to the imagination in this kind of a mask, you could kind of still see his face, but, you know, it was unique, you know, it wasn't a full-blown mask where it covered everything, you know, it looked like it was just strings of, you know, leather wrapped around his face, and it did its job, you know, it's it's one of the most iconic masks of all time, all three of these guys, uh, but yeah, it, they're definitely not luchas, uh, Jonathan, so, I mean, to give you a little bit of idea of a, a different kind of masks, I mean, those three stood out to me, uh, throughout my years of being a pro wrestling fan. Uh, yes, yeah, Steve, those are all great. Um, I, I'm pretty much, I mean, I understand your liking of all of those three. Um, but for my taste, I'm going to go a little bit different. Um, I would say that one of my favorites was the generic luchador, El Generico. Um, I don't know what happened to him. He was in Ring of Honor for a long time, and it just seems like he's uh, went on to the next thing. But I really liked his mask. It was pretty simple, but had some, you know, some flair hanging off the back. Um, Also was a big, big fan of CM Punk when he was in the Straight Edge Society. He got his head shaved, and then he had the mask on. Um, It was very simple. Black mask, star in the middle, SCS down the nose, but I loved it. And I love CM Punk's work whenever he was in the Straight Edge Society. But probably my favorite mask of all time was Tiger Mask. And Tiger Mask was pretty much the first Japan luchador. And um, there's four incarnations of tiger mask and it's a it's been you know handed down from person to person to person so the original tiger mask is not who's playing tiger mask now in new japan but uh the mask itself is just awesome um you know the the character is really cool as well and if you haven't seen any of these masks that either steve or i have talked about i highly suggest you get online and do a little research and check out these masks because out of the six that we named, um, these are some of the coolest, probably looking masks 
in in all the land. That's right, guys. Google is your friend. Uh, it's 2015. You know what to do by now. So uh, head on, uh, head on over there, and just you know, Google what we're talking about in case you don't know what we're talking about. But yeah, Jonathan, I mean, like we said right there, I mean, those are six iconic masks in the industry throughout the years. Uh, there's been many variations of different kinds of masks, uh, different people wearing different kinds of masks. But Jonathan, with the favorite always comes the least favorite. So I'm going to throw you up uh, under the bus right now to, to maybe, you know, who are some of your least favorite through the years that they came out, you just hated it, and you probably would never buy a replica of what they wore. Wow. Well, that's saying a lot, because I would buy pretty much anything um, <laughs> professional wrestling. But, uh, yeah, there are a, a few there, probably five or six that I just didn't really understand and probably still don't to this day. Number one is definitely Max Moon. Oof. In the 90s, we talked about all the gimmicks and how there were jobs and all this stuff, and I'm not for sure what Max Moon was. Uh, was he from was he from the moon um i i don't know but he came out and had like glitter cannons on his arms and he had this very strange thing that kind of looked like women's underwear on his face (laughs) it wasn't technically uh, a mask but yes it definitely looked a little strange so um yeah max moon's probably number one for me i'll go in descending order um number two aldo montoya the Portuguese man o war. Um, Just incredible was the gentleman who portrayed Mr. Aldo Montoya, and it has been referred to by not just me, but several other people that are uh, familiar with his mask. That it looks like a jock strap <laughs> attached to his his face. So Worst. that one wasn't wasn't spectacular, and it was bright yellow, so there's really no hiding from that. And Last but not least, I never got into Shark Boy or Shark or Shark Girl for that matter. But um, it's it's just it was really silly. Um, and don't get me wrong, there's there's a perfect time and place for for silly. But uh, I just was never a big fan of of the Shark People series <laughs> in, in wrestling. Right place, wrong time for. It. I mean, he probably would have had a better outing with our friends at Interspecies Wrestling. Uh, but yeah. At his time, I don't think it was, you know, it, uh, it definitely didn't mix well with other things going on, so yeah. Yeah, and they tried to make him uh, into Stone Cold at one point, which was which was funnier, but still just not not where it should be. And um, But with my um, least favorites, I'm going to ask you about some of your least favorites as well. Jonathan, I only have one. Well, you can kind of call them two, if you will. Uh, We've done 61 shows. This is 62. I probably mentioned them on most of the shows. The Los Matadores, Jonathan. Uh, What the hell is going on with their head? Uh, I always say, like, they're human Ninja Turtles. Uh, You know, I, I don't know what's going on. It's like a bandana. It's a mask. It's a Ninja Turtle mask. Um... These guys, I don't know. It's, I don't know. I, th- yeah, I can't even talk about them. I just, it, I don't like it at all. I couldn't imagine somebody getting these masks and saying, "Yes, these are awesome. Let's do it." Um, the worst. They're they're, they're the worst. I, I I can't even get in more into it, Jonathan. I have nothing else to say about them, but but they're the worst. Well, is is your hatred for the Los Matadores? <laughs> um, is that the only masks that you are uh, not fan of, or are they just the ones that are really 
your least favorite. I'll tell, okay, they're I, they're like the package deal. I love them as the clones. I hate them as the matadors. I hate their masks. Uh, if they would have dropped the masks, maybe I'd like them, but I don't. Uh, the mask is definitely the number one bullseye on their target on their body that's just making me hate them. And if I is had... is is that a pun intended with the fact that their mascot is a bull? Uh, you know the bull mask isn't that bad if if he was wrestling somewhere else, but that doesn't even make me hate him. It, it, it's mostly just the Matador's mask, which I pretty much hate. Um, yeah, I think that's that's pretty much it. And I don't have any other specific ones, but if you guys picture in your head right now any of the luchadors who have extensions off their mask, so like not so much. Uh, it, it's guys that look like they have like you know like big Batman symbols coming out of their mask. Like they're just huge masks. Um, those kind of are ridiculous to me. Um, I get it, but I, I don't get it. But they don't bother me as much as the Matadors. Bottom line. Well, so obviously we know a couple things by listening to these shows. Um, one, you love Bret Hart. Two, you hate the Los Matadores. Um, but three. There's a teaching moment to be had here, and today we're going to talk about the masks. We already talked about our favorites and our least favorites, but let's get into the history of masks and professional wrestling a little bit. Um, We like to research a lot before these shows. We like to find out a lot. Um, Some of the information we already know, but there's times that even the most uh, ardent professional wrestling fan wants wants to delve a little deeper, and that's what we've done today. So... Um, if you are listening to this and you've always wondered, man, I wonder where the mask in professional wrestling started, we found the answer for you. Well, uh, let's hear it. Well, um, the very earliest origins in professional wrestling are traced back all the way to the 1865 World's Fair. That was held in Paris, France, and there was a wrestler by the name of Theobald. Bauer, and he first debuted the mask, and he wrestled as you guessed it, the masked wrestler. So <laughs> that was in in France, um, and then you know it started slowly but surely coming over to the United States. And um, Steve, I think you were the one that found out this information. Yeah, man. So uh, it's interesting. It's interesting where it comes from because you might think. Yeah, you know where you know the debut of the mask was. Uh, granted, everybody's always going to have that. Oh, it happened here. Oh, it happened here. But this is this is Wikipedia, people. You can't. Come on. This is this is fact. This is more than fact right now. It's 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 online, so it has to be true, right? Yeah, Jonathan. Other little facts that we found out. You know, uh, sometimes workers wore masks in one territory, and then they would be unmasked in another territory in order to keep, you know, two separate identities. Which is smart if you think about it. I mean, I could be working in New York as the masked Credo, and then you know, head on down to Florida and just wrestle as Steve. I don't know. <laughs> You're getting two different paychecks. You can work two different kind of things, but hopefully nobody ever books you <laughs> to fight yourself. I guess so. Uh, hopefully that never happened. Well, if you listen to one of our last interviews that we did with Mr. George Animal Steel, he spoke about how he was a teacher and he wrestled under a mask when he first started because he really didn't want anybody to know who he was. So you know, the mask can serve several different purposes as well as you know 
just letting you kind of stand out. If you're in an area or a promotion where they don't have anybody with a mask, it's kind of a way to get over. And also, if you aren't the most attractive, it's also kind of insurance in a way that people will come and they'll maybe buy a t-shirt or buy a mask because um, if they don't have to look at your face and you may be kind of, you know, kind of ugly. So I won't mention some of the names that we've, we've heard over the years that are uh, better off masked, but you, uh, you get the idea. So Jonathan, uh, I'm curious because I always thought masks originated like in Mexico. Am I wrong? Well, you know, like we said, some of them started in France and then they actually came to the United States, but from everything that I've learned about mass reading books or looking on the internet or watching documentaries, I found out that the U.S. actually had masks prior to Mexico. And uh, Mexico actually adopted the whole lucha mask uh, phenomenon, I guess, by bringing down a gentleman named Cyclone McKee from Texas. So he was wrestling in Texas under a mask. And a Hispanic promoter thought that it would be a good idea to bring him down. So that's really where they got started. Now, don't get me wrong. The Lucha Libre style, which is often um, associated with the mask, has always been the way that you know like Mexican wrestling worked. But the mask actually came from the United States. That's crazy, man, because that's a good trivia question for all you uh, fans out there. I mean, you know, you could... Anybody, I think if you asked anybody, where did, uh, you know, masked wrestling start, they're going to say Lucha Libre or Mexico or, or something like that, you know. Uh, it's it's uh, it's a good history lesson for all you kids out there, I guess, to finally, uh, to learn a little bit about a mask. Um, now, Jonathan, uh, talking about masks, there's a big match they have with uh, masks in which it's a mask versus a mask kind of match. Um, now, pretty much all in all, if you lose, you get unmasked, right? You get your face Absolutely. shown to the world, huh? Absolutely, and 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 like we'll just say in lucha libre, that is sometimes more important than a title belt or your stance in the company. These guys live and die by this mask. And back whenever lucha libre started, and you had some of the famous masked wrestlers, they would literally go out to eat in public with the mask on. They would not be, uh, you know, caught dead anywhere without that mask. So. To go up against somebody in either a mask versus mask match or a mask versus hair match or whatever, uh, the pride was really on the line, and most of these guys did not want to be unmasked. So there's a lot of those matches out there. There's a lot of great matches. Some of them were in WCW. Um, you can go look at CMM, CMLL, a lot of that in, uh, in Mexican wrestling you can see a lot of these great mask versus mask matches. Yeah, it's uh, like you said, I mean, you know, winning the mask of an, uh, another opponent was definitely more than winning a title. And uh, it's, it's, you know, it, it's crazy because it's like, okay, me and you have a fight for a mask. Uh, you beat me. You keep my mask. Now, do I go and get another mask or do I just go get the same kind of mask and it's just one of those like you know walk of shame kind of matches to where oh you lost you got to walk out of there now unmasked and everybody sees you kind of thing but next week I could come back with my own mask yeah and you've seen some of that like whenever you know Sin Cara prior to coming over to WWE the original Sin Cara um, was Mystico so whenever he left there was kind of a battle, and somebody could become Mystico because he wasn't 
necessarily performing in the United States or in, in Mexico anymore. So um, I think sometimes there's some amicable splits like that. So instead of saying, like, I'm going to fight you for it or whatever, that wrestler will actually say, it's okay for you to be this person while I'm not there. So I mentioned earlier there's been several Tiger Masks. Um, I know that there's been several Mysticos now. So And, you know, now there's several Sin Caras. So it's, it's kind of a really interesting culture, and the mask is really revered in – Lucha Libre, there's not a lot of it in the United States with the exception of a few places. Yeah, so, I mean, do you think there's a lot of, do you think there's a lack of masks in American wrestling today? Yeah, I mean, we mentioned Sin Cara, there's the Lucha Dragons, but, you know, in, in WWE, in TNA, and even Ring of Honor, there's not a lot of masked personas. Um, if you watch Lucha Underground, there's several uh, masks there you know you've got drago or son of havoc blue demon jr which um you know blue demon was one of the the staples in modern mexican wrestling um phoenix prince puma sexy star but then like chikara is really they took the mask to an entirely different level uh we spoke with some chikara wrestlers at new england fan fest five but you know, if you've ever watched Chikara, you know that they have uh, such masked greats as Dasher Hatfield, which is like a baseball player. So his mask is naturally uh, a baseball. Um, we have Ultra Mantis, who kind of looks like a big giant praying mantis. They have the whole like colony, the ant colony. There's Silver Ant and all, all of those. They just have really, really creative masks. And most of their wrestlers have have masks. So, yeah, yeah I think they've got... I mean, they. my favorite uh, that they have is Ice Cream Junior, which uh-huh. is just like a regular mask that looks like it's got an ice cream cone sticking out of the, the top <laughs> of it. Well, it, definitely uh, A for effort on that one. I mean, yeah, I mean, I would love to see more masked wrestlers. I guess you can't have too many or else it just becomes a whole Lucha Libre kind of feel, but... Uh, you know, yeah, like you said, there's there's only a handful on the main shows right now, and uh, you know, like Shakara, Lucha Underground, or even if you want to throw in their interspecies wrestling, you know, some of the local uh, promotions. Um, it's nice to see. I love masked wrestlers. Uh, you know, there's only so many guys that can just wear sunglasses out to the ring, or you know, like it. it every, everybody's look starts to be a copy of a copy of a copy, but when you have a mask, you're almost you know, it's a whole different personality, and you know. Um, Hey, maybe we'll see more masked wrestlers after uh, people hearing the show, but uh, you never know. Uh, Jonathan, who are some of the better-known masked wrestlers in the world? Um, I mean, today, if you had to look throughout the history of masked wrestlers, who would you say, you know, could you give me like a top three, top five, or whatever, of, uh, you know, probably the best-known? Yeah, um, I would say that El Santo is definitely a legend. His mask was pretty simple. But it was classic, and you know most of the lucha masks that you see have something uh, a characteristic from his mask. I would definitely say that Blue Demon. I mentioned Blue Demon Jr. is in Lucha Underground, but Blue Demon is uh, basically his mask, kind of uh, plain and simple as well. Looks a little bit like Jack Black's from Nacho Libre. <laughs> um, I would say Rey Mysterio Jr. from right here in the U.S. is. Uh, definitely one of the most 
known masked wrestlers and he liked to change everything up so at wrestlemania you would see a different one i remember the avatar when he did one year he did the joker he did you know so he was putting a lot of showmanship into the masks uh probably the best known i would say all over the world is mil mascaras so that literally translates into a thousand masks so um (laughs) he would constantly change his, but he was another one of those people that would keep wearing their mask in public and uh, no one really knows what he looks like without the mask. He is the uncle to Alberto El Patron or Alberto Del Rio, and his dad, Alberto's dad, is Dos Caras, which in Spanish means two faces. So it also goes back the mass thing so there are a ton of these mass wrestlers i highly recommend that's what we like to do on this show if you're not familiar with something find out a little more about it so uh, i feel like the more you know should pop up right now the music or the little Katy perry thing that she wrote at the super bowl but um definitely go out there and look up some of these masks because these are some of the coolest things that you're ever going to see. Definitely. And Jonathan, I mean, it, it is the 4th of July weekend. Uh, granted, masks aren't maybe too patriotic, but somebody coming up right now who has a mask and who is patriotic and his name is the Patriot, Del Wilkes, is joining us in the studio right now. So Jonathan, l- let's get our patriotic boots on and welcome Del Wilkes. Our guest tonight has traveled the world over as a professional wrestler. He has been a a mainstay in companies like New Japan Pro Wrestling, WCW, and WWE. He is currently working a new project that will chronicle his career in wrestling as well as football. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the Patriot, Del Wilkes. Thanks for having me. How are you guys doing? Doing great, Del. Uh, Thanks for coming on tonight. Well, I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Yeah. So uh, we, we mentioned you're in the process of creating a DVD. Uh, what can you tell us about this project? Well, I was approached um, last year uh, by Michael Elliott with Elbow Productions uh, about the possibilities of getting together and working together and uh, putting together a, a DVD. Or actually, it's going to be two DVDs, uh, not only on my wrestling career, uh, but my life. It's just an all-encompassing or encompassing um, project where it starts out from day one, from birth. Uh, we include members of my family. Uh, it takes us all the way through high school, uh, my college days at the University of South Carolina, played football there, how I broke into the wrestling business, my wrestling career, some of the difficult things I went through after I retired from wrestling, and right up to present day. So it, uh, it encapsulates my entire life. Uh, we started working on it several months back, and uh, we're we're coming down the home stretch now. We sometimes late summer, early fall, uh, we'll be able to uh, to release this, and uh, everyone else can enjoy it and uh, look at it. We've got a lot of great people that are in it as well that we've uh, talked with for the project. Um, a lot of the guys that I wrestled with throughout my career, just to name a few. Um, Buck Bagwell, Marcus Bagwell, Stan Hansen, Greg Gagne, Bobby Fulton, Jackie Fulton. Uh, we've got 
several of my former teammates at the University of South Carolina that are a part of this project that you'll see when you watch it, uh, including the 1980 Heisman Trophy winner, Jordan Rogers. So uh, just a lot there, and uh, I think everyone that, that gets it will certainly enjoy it. We put a lot of hard work and effort into it, and we're all excited to know. That's great. Now, uh, has this process been pretty therapeutic to you, like reliving some of your biggest moments? Yeah, it has. It's always good. The tape walks down memory lane, uh, and I'm very fortunate. Uh, I've had a very good life, and I've been able to do a lot of things. and have created a lot of special memories, um, meet a lot of special people. So it's all good to rehash those things uh, and to rehash a lot of good times uh, with a lot of good folks. And also, too, uh, you know, we've re- relived uh, in this DVD or in this uh, project, we've relived some of the tough times that I went through as well. But also, I was able to learn from that as well. And hopefully, that as well can be used to inspire someone or to possibly help someone. So whether it's good times or bad times, I think there's always positive things that you can take out of that and hopefully can be passed on to other people. All right. Uh, speaking of big, uh, biggest moments, uh, what do you consider to be your greatest achievement in the world of professional wrestling? Well, I don't know. It's pretty the single one out. Uh, I think there are a list of several uh, early in my career when I, when I was working in the AWA as the trooper, uh, just a relative unknown. Um, we were working in Jamestown, North Dakota one night and, uh, Greg Donya came to me when I got to the building that night and told me I was working with Harley Race and that Harley was going to put me over. So early in my career, that was the biggest night, the biggest moment for me, but later on down the road to have the kind of success that I had in the Global Wrestling Federation was also another great moment, another highlight to then end up in all Japan pro wrestling, uh, winning the all Asian tag team belts with my partner, Jackie Fult was another tremendous highlight. Uh, WCW after that with Bagwell uh, being two-time uh, tag team champions was another tremendous highlight. And then, of course, my feud with Bret Hart in the WWF and beating Bret on Monday night uh, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania was another great highlight. Hard to pick up which one of those would be my most favorite, but I'm very fortunate that I've got a long list of highlights that I can choose from. When you started to train to become a professional wrestler, you were trained in part by the fabulous Moolah. Um, what are some of your favorite memories of her? Well, just the character that she was. She had that gruff exterior, but uh, she did have uh, a goodness about her and kindness about her, a willingness to help young, up-and-coming professional wrestlers. Now, her school was more geared toward girls. Uh, there had been a lot of girls that had been through that school, um, you know, I by far had the most success of any of the guys that went through there. But um, I've got to be honest, it, it, it taught me the very, very, very basics. I didn't learn an awful lot out of that school other than how to lock up, maybe grab a headlock, how to take a bump. Um, the rest of it I sort of learned on the fly. So I guess it was instrumental in teaching me just the very, very basics. But there was very little uh, cultivating a personality or learning how to do a promo or things like that at the school that that just had to come later and literally learn that on the fly uh and you just do it by the seat of my pants as i gained experience in the business all right now early on in career uh like you said you were called the trooper uh you achieved some success with this character but what made you decide to ditch the trooper and uh don the mask that we all know you by today 
Well, it was a decision that, that, that really was sort of uh, not made for me, but someone approached me with the opportunity. Um, I was working for the AWA, um, and um, they, for I guess back of, lack of a better term, went belly up and just folded. And uh, DJ Peterson and I were the last tag team champions in the AWA. And uh, I was approached by Bill Eady um, about going out to Dallas for the very first TV taping for the Global Wrestling Federation, the DWF. So uh, they sent me a plane ticket, and uh, I loaded up my trooper gear and uh, flew out to Dallas. And literally just a few hours before the very first TV taping that the GWF would ever do, uh, I was summoned to Bill by uh, Joe Petticino to come over to his hotel room at the same hotel. And uh, in the room sat Bill Eady um, of Axe fame, of, of demolition, and uh, Bonnie Blackstone. And the three of them said, look, we got an idea we want to present to you and see what you think. And they were the ones that approached me about doing the Patriot character. And um, I took the opportunity. And uh, that night there in the sportatorium in Dallas, was the very first time that a national TV audience would ever be exposed to that character. And I knew that night when I walked from behind that curtain and walked down the aisle and got into the ring that we we had a good chance of having something special. We were just by the response from the crowd that night in Dallas. And um, it um, it worked out, and it paid off to be a very good night. So I'm appreciative to Bill and Joe and Bonnie for presenting that opportunity to me. Awesome. Now, uh, we're going to fast forward and go back and forth a lot through your career while we're talking, but um, you were a part of WCW, you were part of the AWA, uh, you were part of the WWF. Now, at that time, there was a lot of talent that were, you know, jumping ship, going back and forth to wherever the money was and stuff, but there were really three big players at that time, WCW, WWF, and uh, the little upstart company, ECW. Were you ever approached by ECW to come in? No, I, I was never approached, and, and had I been approached, I doubt very seriously I would have gone. Um, I, um, you know, I, I was very fortunate that, that I, I had the opportunity to work for, at the time that I was in the business, basically every, every, every major company that was in existence throughout my career. Uh, it seems like at one point or time in my career, I did work for them, but was never approached about going to work for ECW. All right. Uh, can, now, can you walk us through how you became a part of the WWF roster, how you came in? Well, I had uh, literally throughout the course of my career had been in uh, contact uh, with the WWF and and um, uh, those behind the scenes about uh, as far back as the early 90s, I met Vince and, and, and Pat and those guys about coming to work there, but the timing just never worked out. Uh, but near the end of my career, uh, I sat down with Vince again, uh, JR, and had an opportunity. I was ready to... Um, I was ready to get out of Japan. I was ready to come back to the States and work. And um, the physical style of work uh, in all Japan was starting to take a toll on my body. Uh, I had, had uh, sustained a couple of very serious injuries, and uh, I just knew that my body could not continue working that style. So I, I was ready to get back home. And so when the opportunity present, presented itself, um, I was I was more than happy to to take that and um, and uh, leave Japan and come back to the States and go to work for Vince in the WWF. Now, when you were brought into the WWF, were you always going to be brought in as the Patriot, or did they have other plans for you? Well, 
I think Vince, uh, in an apprehensive way, agreed to bring me in as the Patriot and talking to Jim Ross and talking with Cornette uh, and talking with others that worked behind the scenes and worked in the office there. I think Vince was convinced that at that time a mass character really just couldn't get over in the States. But I didn't agree with that uh, assumption. I mean, every place I had worked as a Patriot uh, had been a fan favorite, whether it was in Global, whether it was in WCW here in the States. Uh, it was always uh, a character that was, you know, over with the fans, and the fans got behind. So I felt like that I could get that character over working for Vince. So, um, I think that in the beginning, he was somewhat hesitant to do it. But I think, you know, shortly after I went to work there, I think he realized and saw that it was still a fan favorite. And so he just immediately um, put me in that uh, angle with Bret Hart and tied Bret and I together and, and had us working together. All right. Now, uh, when you debuted, it was during the now infamous Attitude Era, uh, since the Attitude Era was always about pushing the envelope. Was there anything that they ever pitched to you that you just didn't want to do? Has anything ever come across like that? No, not at all. I, I think it's such a baby face character that it's, you know, that it's really, really, um, you know, no gray area there with that type of character. I mean, you know, it's pretty hard to, to do anything with that character, but other than what we did with it. Uh, but no, they never pitched anything to me that I would have felt uncomfortable with. Uh, uh, I think the biggest thing Vince pitched to me, and I, I was more than glad to do it, and I thought it was a good idea, was to do my first interview without the mask, to sit down and say, look, you know, this isn't just, you know, a character. This is a person that's tied to this character. There is a person behind the mask, or as this uh, DVD is highlighted, you know, the man behind the mask. Uh, there was a man behind the mask, so um, they uh, <clears throat> sent the, the film crew, uh, to my home in Columbia, South Carolina, and we spent a couple of days together, uh, just videoing footage and interviews with me out without the mask. And uh, I thought that went over very well. I thought it was a good idea. Now, during this time, you wrestled Bret Hart, uh, which set up the American versus uh, Canadian feud that was going on at the time. How were you being treated in uh, arenas in America? versus when the WWF would travel to Canada. Was it a little bit rougher when you were in Canada? Yeah, it was, and that's just natural. I mean, you know, it was just one guy that was tied geographically to, to one country and another guy that was tied geographically to his country. And uh, so we uh, obviously in, in the States, I was, uh, I was the uh, ultimate baby face. But when we went north into Canada, and we started on the west coast of Canada and worked our way all the way across Canada. It was a completely different story. Brett was their hero. Brett was their guy. And uh, I was anything but a baby face. And I was absolutely the biggest, baddest, darkest hill in their eyes. And so much so that uh, one night, and I can't even remember what city we were in in Canada, but Brett and I were working main event that night. And we literally had to cut the match short. I think not for his safety and well-being, but for mine, because we had six different people that either attempted to get in the ring or did get in the ring. So finally, we both just decided, hey, man, let's cut this thing short and let's get out of here. And I had a police escort uh, to my rental car and then a police escort to the hotel and then a police escort up to my room and was advised by the police that once they left, I was on my own. So if I was smart, I'd order room service because if I walked back down in the lobby, 
uh, there's no telling what will happen to me. So I locked my stuff in my room that night, ordered the night steak from room service, and uh, just stayed in because it uh, it did. It got really, really intense that night. It's an, it's an uneasy feeling when you've got people coming uh, out of the seats, sliding up under that bottom rope or stepping through the rope, and they're coming after you, and you don't know what they're holding, what they're capable of doing. So um, after that happened about six times, we decided it was in my best interest to get out of there and, and call them into it. Now, was it weird for you that since you were typically a good guy throughout your career, um, getting booed, was that a hard thing to get used to whenever you were in Canada? No, not really. Uh, I had, um, I, I don't think, I, I think in that business that you, you know, you have to be somewhat um, adaptable to whatever situation you're in. Obviously, it was something that I wasn't used to hearing, but it wasn't something that I had a problem with. You just, uh, you know, you just sort of cater to the crowd that you're uh, working in front of. Well, not cater to them, but you just suggest what you're trying to do or what you have to do to that particular crowd. And um, so when I was being booed, and that just that sort of element of a hill comes out in you, and you just do things that, you know, I think a hill would naturally do or have a natural response from a hill perspective. But uh, no, I wasn't any difficulty in having to make that adjustment. All right. Now, uh, when you were in the WWF, you got to pro- to compete for the WWF Championship against Bret Hart at In Your House Ground Zero. Uh, what was it like to compete for the championship against the guy, uh, the caliber of Bret Hart? Well, I always enjoyed working with Bret, and um, I go into uh, I'll go into even greater detail about that um, in the DVD. But uh, just very briefly, I always enjoyed working with Bret. Working with Bret was. It was akin to working the style of matches I was used to in Japan. It was a little more of a snug style, a little stiffer, uh, and it was just, um, you know, it was good, solid work, good, solid matches at a good pace. Um, you know, never any, uh, you know, I'd brought a lot of guys in the States, and that was sort of one thing that on occasion would, uh, would turn me off a little bit about some of the things that would be done in the States when I was working here. And they would want to incorporate comedy or funny spots into a match. Uh, you never had to worry about that with Brett. It was serious business. He was a competent professional and went out every night, worked hard, uh, put in a you know just a good solid effort to give a good solid match. And uh, so that was right down my alley. So I enjoyed working with Brett. Now uh, you had all, uh, some injuries, like you mentioned earlier, that kind of made you retire from uh, the WWF at the time. Now, not long after this, there's a story going around that a gentleman by the name of Tom Brandy took up the Patriot gimmick. There's a lot of confusion whether um, you sold the gimmick to him, whether he just took it. Um, Is there any way you can clear up any of this confusion for us? I think I'm probably the best thing that's ever happened to Tom Brandy because otherwise he was just sort of, uh, um, you know, just not much of a career. Um, but no, I never sold him that character. Uh, uh, he never approached me about using it. Um, when I got hurt and had to retire due to just a series of, of, of injuries, I literally just removed myself and, and disconnected myself from wrestling. I, I mean, I literally for years had nothing to do with the business. I mean, when I when I got out of the business, I got out of the business. But once I started, you know, sort of trying to. to get back into business in the sense of just keeping up with what was going on, just following it. Uh, I didn't even do that for a number of years. I started hearing rumors that Tom was working as the Patriot and had taken 
uh, that character in, in as he at home, but it was never anything that Tom and I talked about, never anything that was sold to him. Uh, I, I do, honestly, uh, think it's a sad commentary for Tom that, uh, you know, he doesn't feel like that on his own he can stand alone, that he could have any type of career, that he's got to pretend to be someone else. And, uh, I, uh, you know, I think that's somewhat sad that, uh, you know, it's easy to put a mask on where people can't see your face and claim you're somebody that you're not. And to go as far as selling pictures, not of Tom dressed as me or the Patriot, but pictures that were me. Uh, I know he did a shoot DVD, DVD years ago, and the cover of it was me. It wasn't Tom Brady or Tom Brandy. And uh, uh, I've even communicated with wrestling fans lately that were at shows, and they thought they had spoke to me. They thought they had watched me work uh, and even they were suspicious that maybe it wasn't me. So they even took it a step further and, uh, asked the person that was dressed as the Patriot, Hey, are you Dell Wilkes? And that person would go, yeah, I'm Dell. So to even take it that far as to, you know, claim that they are me, I think is just really a sad commentary on, um, you know, evidently, uh, I'm the best thing to ever happened to him. So <laughs> but if that's what he needs to do, more power to him. Yeah. But I do want I, I do want to say this, and uh, getting back to the project that we've got going with Michael Elliott, I also want the fans to know that they themselves can be a part of this project. Uh, Mike does great work, great work. He's done other other projects like this on Ivan Koloff, on the Rock and Roll Express, on Jimmy Valiant, on Magnum and it's just first-class work, and I'm just honored that he would want to do that uh, along with me. Uh, but this isn't what Mike does for a living. This is the labor of love for Michael Elliott. He puts his time and effort into this after he's done his regular job, and he puts a lot of his own hard-earned money into this. Uh, but now we've got something set up for the fans can go to kickstarter.com, and they themselves can become a part of this and help out as we try to complete this project and um, as you go to kickstarter.com, you'll see there are different levels uh, where you can donate. And at each level, there's prizes, there's rewards. Uh, also, get credit uh, at the end of the DVD. So they also can become a part of this project. And that's a great, the great thing about wrestling fans. I've played college football uh, very briefly in the NFL. So I've been around a lot of different sports fans and different, a lot of different fans and how they react to their you know, to their form of entertainment that they love the best. And there's no one on the face of the earth like wrestling fans. There's no other group of fans that have the kind of loyalty our fans do. And uh, so we're excited about giving them the opportunity uh, to go to kickstarter.com and also just uh, become a part of this project with us and uh, to help us out as we try to finalize this and hopefully get it out late summer or early fall. That's right. And uh, guys, everybody listening too, we will uh, we'll tweet it out. We'll put it on our Facebook. We'll let all of our fans out there know too and how they can uh, make sure they get to the link exactly and how they can uh, back your project on kickstarter.com. Uh, now, uh, Adele, uh, earlier we asked uh, you what you thought your greatest achievement was in the world of wrestling. Now, well, what do you think your biggest mistake was? Did you ever feel that you ever made a mistake about something that you wish you could just you know go back and change? Well, I think we're all um, probably have several of those that maybe we uh, would like to go back and change. 
but yeah, there are there there are certain things I, I I never regret working in Japan. It was the most enjoyable part of my career. Uh, but I had a guy give me some advice early on in my career working for All Japan. Uh, a guy by the name of Stan Hansen, who's also you'll see in this DVD, uh, the men behind the mask. Uh, he came to me one night after maybe my first or second match there, and he said, "You know, he said you're a big guy, 290 pounds. You're an athletic guy. You move good. You look good." And he said, "I realize it looks good for the people for for you to stand up on that top turnbuckle and dive off across." the ring with that Patriot missile or to do a drop kick off the top turnbuckle. He said, but that's not conducive to a long career. He said, you'll shorten your career by doing stuff like this. You're too big. He said, you need to come up with a finish. It's going to be less taxing on your body eventually in your career. And um, uh, one in one ear and out the other. And they stand turned out to be very prophetic. That did when you're 290 pounds and you're jumping off that top turnbuckle every night and you're landing in the middle of the ring on your elbows, triceps, well, eventually something's going to happen and it's not going to be good. And that happened to me time and time again. So that did indeed uh, lend itself to shortening my career. So I wish I would have taken Sam's advice that night and not done as much of that. Um, also, too, maybe leaving all Japan for the first time uh, and going to WCW, in hindsight, might not have been the best move at that time for my career. But it was the one I thought at that time I needed to make. And um, so I think we all have regrets uh, when you look back on it. But uh, I, uh, overall, there are very few of those. And uh, you're just, uh, I feel very fortunate, very blessed that I was able to participate uh, in a business that I just fell in love with as a kid. I, uh, I just, uh, I know when I went to my first night in Columbia at the age of 10, I left there just blown away by what I saw that night. I saw Jack and Jerry Briscoe wrestle, Rip Hawk and Sweet Hanson. And you're not, I was the biggest football fan you could have imagined, but there wasn't anybody playing football at that time that was a, any bigger than Jack Briscoe to me or those guys I watched that night. So that just blew me away. And to think that, you know, down the road, I had the opportunity to participate in that same business and be a part of that same business. Well, a lot of those guys I grew up watching when I first broke into the business, I was fortunate to be around a lot of those guys that I watched and that I looked at their picture in the wrestling magazines when I was a kid. So, um, yeah, there's a couple of that, but I can assure you this, uh, there's very few. All right. Now, um, there, part of the reason we do these interviews is because we like to set the record straight. We want to make sure that there's no false information about anybody out there or anything uh, there's also another rumor out there that in 1998 there was a TV show called Exposed Pro Wrestling's Greatest Secrets that you played the role of Private Payne in that show. Now, uh, can you confirm or deny this? That is 100% false. That's the first time I've ever heard that. That's a, that's a new one on me, but I can tell you uh, without any hesitation, there is not one ounce of truth in that. That's, that's great because they're like I said the, uh, that's why we do this there's a couple of uh, sites out there that that say that they know who played the the characters in that show so I'm glad that it that you know we got that straight just another, just another good example of how you can't believe an awful lot that you see on the internet correct that's absolutely. Right. Now uh, you've been very outspoken in the past about drug use and the 
world of professional wrestling. Do you think it has gotten better these days, uh, you know, more regulations and whatnot? Well, I do. I really do. Um, I, I can't, I, I, you, you're exactly right. I have been critical in the past of, of uh, events and, and the WWF or the WWE. And the reason you're critical of them is they're really the only ones left. Uh, but I do. I, I think they have done a much better job uh, of with their uh, wellness program. Uh, I get a newsletter uh, every quarter, and, uh, you know, they offer help to anyone that's ever worked for that company. Uh, and pay for you to go to uh, rehab if you need it. And I know of several guys that have, have taken them up on that and taken that opportunity. So I tip my hat to that. And I'll tell you another reason I think that it's gotten better. Um, we still have a high death rate among people that have participated in professional wrestling. Uh, you know, you just look at recently uh, losing Tommy Rogers at 54 years of age. I mean, there's just no excuse for an otherwise healthy young man to die at that age. Uh, but I've lost so many of my friends over the years uh, that were in that business, and that business has taken a heavy toll on so many guys. But we don't see the, uh, the rash of deaths of guys that are still involved in that business like we used to at one time. If you think back uh, to when Pillman died, and uh, I was in the WWF at the time and, and good friends with it just seemed like that started an avalanche of active wrestlers that were dying at an alarmingly high rate. And, um, you know, for, for obvious reasons, it's fallen victim to that lifestyle and uh, the things that you felt like you had to do to keep going. But uh, we just don't see that as much now. So uh, I think that is evidence that, that things are better, and I hope they continue to get better. Now, if you could give somebody uh, one piece of advice that they – they're thinking about maybe getting into the professional wrestling business. Uh, what piece of advice would you give somebody? Well, number one is just hard work. Uh, you've, you've got to dedicate yourself to this. I remember when I first broke into the business, it was what I, I mean, I ate, drank, and slept. I mean, 24 hours. It was just all-consuming for me. So it takes an awful lot of hard work. And then secondly, my advice to you would be you are your greatest commodity. You yourself, your body, take care of it. Treat it right. Because it's only going to last as long as you allow it to. And, um, you know, so protect that body. Uh, eat right. Don't put bad things into your body. Uh, don't do stupid, dangerous things. I re realize there are times you've got to push the envelope and you've got to do things that, that look good for the sake of TV and, and whatnot. But still, treat your body right. Because once that body goes, man, I'm living proof of that. Once it goes and it fails you and it can no longer continue to serve you in the capacity that you need it to, then it's over. So work hard, take care of that body because that's your money maker. Sure. Uh, now, uh, Dell, do you still watch pro wrestling today? Do you do you keep up with the product or no? Uh, I mean, there's so much of it today. I <laughs> yeah, I watch, but I, I'm a casual observer now. Mm -hmm. uh, I cannot tell you the last time that I've watched an entire show. Uh, I mean, that's been years and years and years. I do occasionally on Mondays turn over uh, and watch a few minutes, but uh, it's just a completely different product uh, now than it was then. And I don't know if that's good or bad. I, I guess that's left open for debate, but it's not one that attracts me. Uh, I'd rather watch, go back and watch old stuff. And i tell you that <clears throat> to that point, with the passing of Dusty, uh, I'm sure all of us have been going back and watching a lot of the tributes to Dusty 
watching a lot of the stuff on YouTube. And man, I can sit for hours and watch stuff like that way before I'd watch today's product. I, I, I've got uh, a great library of, of um, uh, wrestling matches that, um, uh, you know, from the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, uh, Japan, stuff that was done in Japan. And I would much rather sit down and watch that than, than watch the stuff that we see today. And I'm not knocking uh, today's performers and today's superstars. Uh, you know, they're doing what they have to do, what they're told to do. But it's just not that, just not that appealing. All right. Now, um, we, we heard a lot about your career as a professional wrestler. We heard some about your career in football. But uh, what are some of the things that you like to do outside of those things? What are some of your hobbies that you have? Well, I tell you, uh, because of when I wrestled, you had very little time at home. Uh, when you were at home, I never developed any hobbies. I mean, when I did get the opportunity to get off the road and get home, I wanted to spend time with my family and my kids. So I never developed the golf hobby. I never developed uh, uh, the uh, hunting, the fishing, anything like that. I love being around my family. I love being around my, my children. I've got uh, my youngest son just graduated from high school and had a great high school career as a football player uh, at a high school here in Columbia. Uh, he's getting ready to take the next step and, and, and go to college and play football there. My daughter's getting married in, in August. So I just love doing things with them, being around them. And my interest, uh, they're Gamecock football. University of South Carolina Gamecock football. I love it. I'm passionate about it. And also very passionate uh, uh, about, uh, I was talking to somebody about this today. I love, uh, I love politics and following that and keeping up with that. Uh, so those are some of the things that, that uh, I fill my time with and, and bring me great joy. And, and also, too, I do have the opportunity quite a bit to um, to speak to youth groups, to church groups, to um, functions like that. And I enjoy doing that, just sharing my story with others. Lightning round. Favorite thing about America? Your freedom to be whoever you want to be. You can be as little as you want to be, or you can be as great as you want to be. What do you think the best patriotic wrestler of all time is? Oh, that's easy. The Patriot. That's right. <laughs> uh, what's the best uh, thing about America? I said the favorite thing, but now the best thing about America. The best thing about America is it is a melting pot. It's It's been made great by people from different walks of life and different ethnicity groups. Okay, which do you think is more American, apple pie or baseball? Oh, baseball is more American, yeah. <laughs> no doubt. I'm a sports fan. It's an easy, easy one. <laughs> All right. Uh, what's, your, what's your favorite song about America? Uh... Uh, the Star Spangled Banner is my favorite, and then um, uh, what's the one they sing? The baseball games during the seventh inning stretch. Um, God bless America. Yeah, God bless America. It would be my favorite. Okay. Uh, now, being that you are the Patriot, what are your plans for the Fourth of July this year? Well, I think I'm going to do what most patriotic Americans do. Uh, I'm going to spend time with my family. Probably do a little backyard grilling and uh, spend time with my family. And then later that afternoon, I'll be on the road to do a, a personal appearance. But uh, family, backyard barbecue, cookouts, 
And uh, so I think that's what most Americans are doing on Fourth of July. That sounds pretty good. Uh, what time are we supposed to be over there? <laughs> well, you can come whenever you want to. We'll probably start grilling around noon. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right, well, Del Wilkes, so we, we barely scratched the surface today. We really appreciate your time. Everybody, please check out the project. It's called uh, Behind the Mask, the story of the Patriot Del Wilkes. Find it out on Kickstarter. Uh, but also, Del, where can fans find you and keep up with you on social media these days? Well, I have just recently uh, started becoming a part of social media. You can go to uh, Del Wilkes on Facebook. You can go to Del the Patriot Wilkes on Facebook. You can also follow me on Twitter at Del Wilkes. And again, I want to say thank you uh, for all the wrestling fans out there that have contributed to the Kickstarter uh, program already. And to those of you that, that will and are considering it, uh, I think you'll find it very, very, very worthwhile. Uh, we're excited about all the fans, uh, as many as possible, that can be a part of this project. And we're excited about the project, what we've got coming out. And I think you're going to find it a very interesting, interesting story. And uh, it's been a wonderful life, so we want to share it with all the fans out there. And I appreciate you guys giving me the opportunity to come on as well uh, and promote the project and, and uh, talk about my career. All right. Well, you just heard it from the man himself, the Patriot, Del Wilkes. He's going to have an amazing 4th of July. And it sounds like, Steve, that we're invited over to hang out with him. So... Uh, I'm going to bring the JR's barbecue sauce. What are you bringing over there? I'm bringing uh, some hot dogs and uh, some masks for everybody. All right. Well, this is going to be a party. Um, (laughs) You know, Steve, we talked a lot about masked wrestlers, um, but it is the 4th of July, and I think we should maybe try to get into some of the most uh, patriotic masks. Is that a thing? Do we... That that's a thing, uh, kind of a thing. Not as uh, you know, as much of a thing that you'd want it to be. But there's kind of uh, there's some things we could talk about. Uh, we already, I mean, like we just had the Patriot on. Um, in my lifetime, I've never seen live on TV an American wrestler in an American theme mask going, you know, with the American theme. Del Wilkes was that guy. Uh, granted, though. Um, Hear me out, though, because you're going to correct me. I know you're going to correct me, but uh, he, throughout after the Patriot, there there were some other guys, and then before the Patriot, there were some other guys who have may have had uh, uh, an American theme, and maybe an American mask. Uh, but let me let me shoot some of these out to you right now. Uh, I know you know that uh, Hulk Hogan also had uh, maybe went under the other alias of Mister America. Do you remember him? What do you mean, Hulk Hogan? What does he have to do with this? <laughs> he was Mister America. Come on, Jonathan. We all know it was. We all like, know it was him. Like you're you're talking like the pageant. Like he won Mister America because the guy that I'm thinking of that wrestled in the 2000s under the blue mask with the star on it. He looked absolutely nothing like Hulk Hogan. Well, uh, all right, tomato, tomato. But anyway. There was Mr. America, who is pretty much in here a brief stint in the WWE. Um, but, I mean, what did you think about Mr. America, Jonathan? Were you a fan uh, or, or what? I mean, I was a huge fan. Uh, he was he, – he stood for you know truth, justice, the American way. He told people to 
say your prayers and eat your oh my god it was hulk hogan <laughs> what holy crap that <laughs> how long have i not known that that is wow my mind is blown right now you, you never not, know what you're gonna I, learn today on the, the show kids absolutely wow so yeah mr america great great gimmick great mask um patriotic is all all get out so yeah mr america i can't believe that that's right now jonathan um this is kind of borderline but uh daniel bryan was the american dragon uh and he didn't really have an american flag on his face but you know it was he had a star and it was red and blue and so it was kind of Patriotic, the American Dragon has the you know red and blue with a star on it mask. So there's kind of another American theme gimmick with a mask, if you if you will, right? Now I'll buy that Hulk Hogan was Mister America. I am having a very hard time to believe that Daniel Bryan or Brian Danielson or Brian Danielson, uh, which now we're talking about three different people here. So. <laughs> No, absolutely. Um, yeah, I'll definitely – the judges, yes, they will count that uh, as a patriotic <laughs> mask. He um, he did great as the American Dragon. And if you go back and see some of his earlier footage when he was training with Shawn Michaels, um, you could see the American Dragon. He did it a little bit on the independent circuit as well. But, um, yeah, the the American Dragon, why not? That's a pretty patriotic mask. Sure. And now uh... – uh, for the next few that I had, I had, to, I had to use some of my references online. I had to use some Wikipedia, some Google, uh, and some friends. I had a Facebook just to just to make sure. Um, but this one, uh, Big John Stud, believe it or not, was Captain USA in the 70s, uh, and he wore a mask. That so, was actually my nickname in high school. Captain USA? No, Big John Stud. <laughs> but that, I digress. I digress. Um, Big John Stud, ladies and gentlemen, under a mask. Why would you hide that glorious mane of hair that he had? Um, I, I did see this mask. It is the most basic, um, plain mask that you can find with just like some stars like sewn on it. But you know, give him an A for effort. There you go. Uh, he's he's trying. And so, Captain USA, I salute you. Uh, Big John Stud, you will forever be one of my favorites. So, uh, Captain USA, you're definitely on the list of patriotic gimmick masks. All right, now, Jonathan, uh, I, I tried doing some research on this one. And Good now, luck with that. I'm even trying it again right now as we talk. I'm hitting Google. Um, American Starship was a tag well, team. I, I know this tag team. And I will say one thing about them. Even if they didn't have masks. Now, we've been going back and forth about this. I've heard that they did have them. I've heard that they didn't. But I can tell you that Scott Hall and Dan Spivey, uh, Waylon Mercy, for those of you keeping score at home, were American Starship. They were respectively Coyote and Eagle. So at this point, I don't think you can get much more patriotic than that, with or without the mask. Their names were Coyote and Eagle. Sure, and even back then too, they they even shaved their bodies, so even that body hair had to count as like another layer. So borderline mask of body hair. Uh, okay, 
all right, we we could have that one wrong, but still, a lot of ama- a lot of American patriotic gimmicks, some in masks, maybe some without. Jonathan, uh, the Fourth of July wouldn't be the Fourth of July without talking about something patriotic, right? Absolutely. Um, you know, it, it's that time of year. Wrestling and the Fourth of July go hand in hand. If you go back and listen to some of our other shows, we talk about patriotic parts of professional wrestling. You know, there's pay-per-views named after certain aspects. We do pyro at main events because of everybody's love for the 4th of July. We have uber American and other countries' characters. Uh, So it really runs the gamut. The 4th of July is a great holiday for wrestling. And they're actually going to be overseas for the 4th of July. There's a big thing that WWE has um, which is going to be amazing. So I highly suggest if you are up at like 5.30 in the morning, on, right. uh, then, then you can watch this this pay-per-view. But um, 4th of July and professional wrestling go hand-in-hand. Hand. What better way to celebrate Lex Luger body-slamming Yokozuna on the U.S. Intrepid, ladies and gentlemen? That oh, actually happened. I have a better way, Jonathan. And speaking of, uh, what better, what more American can you get... Then our new segment coming up uh, this weekend. Starting this weekend, we have a new segment for our, for everybody. It's called the Indie Spotlight. And we're going to be talking to an American hero, Dick Justice, Super Cop. Uh, guys, if you don't know Dick Justice, once again, head to Google. Google him. Uh, Jonathan, this is, a new, this is a new series for our YouTube page, youtube.com slash anotherwrestlingpod. Uh, subscribe to us, please, please. And uh, Jonathan... What could they expect on the Indie Spotlight? What's so different? Why should I tune in? Well, the Independent Spotlight is us interviewing the world's best independent wrestlers. Now, some of you may not be familiar with Supercop, or I should say maybe you don't know Dick Justice, but you will. And every other person that we interview, you'll get a behind-the-scenes kind of in-depth interview with these independent wrestlers so you listen to these you go out there and you watch them wrestle and you're you're gonna be an old pro before you even step into the arena you're gonna know about these people you're gonna know more about them than the people sitting beside you i guarantee it so the independent spotlight it's a new thing we're doing and it's gonna go it's it's gonna take over the world that's right so guys tune in subscribe and uh, you don't want to miss it Community Calendar. Coming up on July 18th from 12 to 2 p.m., Tito Santana will be in Beacon, New York at Tito Santana's Taqueria. No relation. But, guys, head on over to tacosantana.com. Head on over to anotherwrestlingpodcast.com. Find out more information how you can meet and greet Tito Santana and get a free taco. That's right, Steve. And we're also going to be at Northeast Wrestling's Wrestling Under the Stars for August 1st. 2015 in Fishkill, New York, you'll get to see such legends as Ric Flair, Mickey James, Alberto El Patron, Rey Mysterio Jr., The Young Bucks, Jerry the King Lawler, NXT's own Samoa Joe, Northeast Wrestling Champion Matt Taven, Brian Anthony, The Genius Lanny Poffo, and much, much more. So make sure you subscribe to us and don't miss a show. It's easy, guys. Head on over, like Jonathan said, anotherwrestlingpodcast.com. Click on all the buttons on the top, all the links from iTunes to Stitcher to Player FM to tune in. 
we're out there. Like us, follow us, and subscribe to us. And Jonathan, if you're looking for some clothes to wear uh, and you don't really have anything to wear for a night out on the town and uh, maybe you're going to a wrestling show and you just need a new shirt, well, head on over to ProWrestlingTees.com slash Another Wrestling Podcast. Pick up some original AWP shirts. We want to thank all of our fans and listeners out there, so tune in next week for... Uh, Another Wrestling Podcast.